welcome to episode 7 of Dead's Not Punk. My name's Ewan Grant. Hello Stuart, how are you? Hello, and I'm Stuart Knight. Yep. Welcome to episode 7. So here we are, we and we've reached uh, the heady heights of 1979. 1979, I mean we're nearly out of the 70s. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a bit of a raid. And you know, there's a, quite a few things that um, we're going to go through which... Uh, some of the, some of the stuff that we missed in the seventies that should de- that deserve a mention, um, which I'm going I'm going just as a bit of housekeeping going to go through, but the first thing again we start every episode with sad news on the passing of one of the greatest guitarists that came out of the punk and new wave scene uh, in the US, songwriter Tom Verlaine of Television unfortunately passed away last week um so condolences there um marky e. moon is probably in my top 10 albums of all time the guitar playing on that album seriously changed the way similar to what john mcgeoch did in the acts that he was involved with like the banshees etc in the way that the guitar was played and mink deville yeah, I mean, I think he also, together with Richard Hell, really defined Definitely. quite a lot of the look and, you know, put a lot of the, the early foundations down for punk out of the whole New York scene. And and then, and, and really, for me, they, I mean, I know they did a couple of albums, but it was really that one album. It was. That, that, really that, that, that sort of led us up to where we sort of parted way slightly in 79 musically but we'll come to that in a in a but it's a sad thing you know clearly a, a very big influence on music particularly from this sort of genre and that era um, and CBGB's and Max's Kansas City and really early on in the mid 70s together with Richard Hell you know and re- changing his name you know to Verlaine I think he was Thomas Miller or something okay yeah I think so alright okay um Anyway, you know, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? We're, we're starting these podcasts again with an obituary at the beginning. I know. Read it in the newspapers at the back. <laughs> it's the yeah, it's not, the it is. It's not really the end. It's usually the, the bigger headline, the big news stories of today. Yeah. You know of what's going on, right? And uh, the uh, so let's do a bit of housekeeping before we, we we get into. I posted one of probably the most difficult. Um, pictures to date on our socials and asked to name who the bass player was in a particular band a lot of you got that the band was fronted by Chrissy Hind and uh, the bass player is sitting at the back and I've had a variety of different options and suggestions as to who that is from Adam Ant to Paul Cook to Paul Simonon and uh, Unfortunately, none of you are right. Um, the beauty of social media is you have to make people think. Yeah, uh, which is ironic, really, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and uh, basically the um, the guy that is in that picture is... Uh, well, it's Chrissy Hind yeah. fronting a band called the Moors Murderers. Right. Right. And the bass player is a guy called John Harlow, who was in a band called the Photons. Wow. So he was nobody at the time. He had a real if you if you search for John Harlow the photons, you know, on the web, 
the guy had a real punk sort of look. He had the um, the straight jacket uh, with the buckles. Oh, yeah. Orange straight jacket and blonde spiky hair. But he was actually just a punter. So basically, you put a picture up of someone that nobody knows <laughs> and asked... And but I wanted somebody to at least get who the band was. Yeah. You know, right? And in the Moors Murderers, there was a variety of different people were in that band. Andy Ellis from the Vibrators was in the band at one point. Pat Collier from the Vibrators was in the band. And a certain Stuart Goddard. Adamant. Adamant mm. was also in that band. So... Uh, so I think John Harlow was a bit of a scene star back in the day. You know, he was. Chrissy Hines and Sue Catwoman. And, yeah, yeah, he, de- he definitely was. And we got that from from Alan. Thanks, Alan. Came for that information. But that information didn't actually come from Alan. He researched it. It was Andy who used to run the Roxy. Oh, yeah. Did a blog about... Uh, Andy version of Suskowski. Yeah. Uh, Andy C. Suskowski, or whoever he is, right? Andy, who ran the Roxy, was doing a blog about the Roxy and was talking about the people and the punters. Yeah. And that's where John came up from the photons. So watch over the next couple of weeks. I'll be putting up some more just to quiz your little uh, membranes. No, that wasn't not, it. We're not doing anything with the membranes. <laughs> so it's John Rock's band. No, we're not doing anything with John Rock. Although we are going to touch slightly today, if we get enough time, on John Robb's book, The Story of Goth, oh, yeah. right? Because 7980, with you know bands like The Cure and Susie and the Banshees, goth started be- to become a bit of a thing, right? Mm. With that whole sort of... Uh, Is it The Art of Darkness or something? It's called the, I think it's called The Art of Goth, actually. I think it was like John Robb's goth book. Is, <laughs> John... is it called John Robb's goth book? <laughs> John Robb's goth book. I read his punk book. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I like him. He's a good writer. Unfortunately, I, I saw... It's called The Art of Darkness. Is it? Yeah. Right, okay. I thought no, it was called I, The Art of Darkness. It's called The Art of Goth. No, it's not. It's no. called The Art of Darkness, The History of Goth. The History of Goth, right, okay. I did look that up. Did you? Right. You're not allowed to look things up, sure. Well, I did look that up because I didn't want to get it wrong because I like John. I, I like John as well. Unfortunately... I went to see the Membranes supported the Chameleons about a year ago and uh, at the Islington uh, Town Hall. And the reason I'm mentioning the Chameleons, Chameleons started in Manchester in 1979 and were called Laurie and the Chameleons. And uh, they made some seminal albums around that whole sort of post-punk sound Mm. of, of that time. And they played at the um, at, in Islington, and they went along. John Robb spanned the membranes with the support. Now, not that I'm telling anybody they shouldn't watch a support band because it's a great way to discover mm. bands. I just didn't like John's band. I just couldn't get the membranes no, at all. Fair enough. You don't have to like everyone's band. I like John though. He's a yeah, he's yeah. a hardworking guy, and you know, I, he's, I've met him a few times, and he's a good lad. He's been he's been around for a while. He's a massive supporter of the underdog, and yeah, massive Stone Roses. His book on the Stone Roses is really good. Recommend it. Remember we went to see the Stone Roses when they played in Manchester, and after that I reread his book, and it was very good. Yeah. Anyway, he's a a great writer. Great writer, John. Um, What else is happening this week then? John Lydon's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, John Lydon. Yeah, birthday. I saw him getting interviewed. Oh, I don't know. Um, I saw him getting interviewed last week on TV 
in fact, I can't remember who it was that was interviewing him, but it was about the whole Hawaii thing and the uh, the fact that he has to take two weeks away from Nora to go and do this um, Eurovision thing, yeah. uh, because Eurovision is about to start the whole... Where is he at in the process of that? Is, it, is he not? Is he being selected to do it for Ireland, or is it he in the heats for that? And is he, and is he, they have heats in every yeah. country. Oh, and right, so it's not the official. No, no, there's six artists, I believe, have entered. I'm making this up as I go along, right? And John Lydon and Pill are one of those artists mm. that will compete on. Um, a Friday night TV show in Dublin or something, right? right? And then they pick the winner that goes forward. So no, he hasn't um, been selected yet. Right. So he has to go through that and leave Nora for that. And then you know he was he was very heartwarming. I think I sent you the interview. You did send me the interview. And it is heartwarming. And we talked about this on a previous uh, episode about the fact that you know he does his thing his way, doesn't he? And I, I, I just I can't help but have a grudging respect for the guy. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he quite literally does stick two fingers up to everybody, doesn't he? Plus no. the fact he's been caring for his wife for a long time exactly. and dealing with the death of Ariel, her daughter, and yeah. two, the, her two children. So give the guy a break, you know. And, you know, continuing on with her sort of uh, pistols, uh, the pistols, this morning I turned on the BBC News and Glenn Matlock's on the couch. Is he? On the telly? Yep, and Glenn Matlock's talking about his new new single. I can't remember what the new single is, but I actually listened to it when it came out on Friday. I thought that's pretty good. Not pretty vacant. Not pretty vacant, <laughs> but but it's pretty good. And he's yeah. got he's got he's got an album coming out in April. So he was on doing the rounds, and he's on he's and on. He's been on tour with Blondie. I yeah, think he's working on the new album with them. Yeah, and he's you know. So he'll be doing that gig with Iggy Pop. He will. Yeah, and the other two Pistols who don't like him. Yeah. Good in Generation yeah. Sex, yeah. so so even though I don't think that's the case anymore because I heard him in, on Jonesy's jukebox and they seem to be getting on my cats on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so he was on there this morning. More than promoting his record, mm. he talked about the farcical situation that we have a birthday of today. Three years ago, the UK left the European Union. Yeah, well, that's uh, an interesting one, isn't it? Because I also read that the IMF issued a report, the International Monetary Fund issued a report saying that the UK was the only European country <laughs> whose economy was going downwards. And that includes Russia Yeah, as well. Yeah, I read that. So Glenn was talking very eloquently about the trials and tribulations of Brexit for the touring musician mm. and, um, you know, and what how that has really become a massive problem. You know, I... Um, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport in this country need to set up some sort of office in this country that helps and assists artists to get into they Europe. They don't get it though, do they, in the government? They don't, they don't, they don't, you they don't, know. They don't see it as... Co- I mean, God, how many times have we had this conversation? We're not going to change anything until this government aren't this government. Yeah, but when we get the next government, they ain't going to change no, anything either because we've got the bluest Labour prime, uh, Labour potential yeah. Prime Minister... He's even blue. He's, he's even he's even bluer than Tony Blair. Right? Yeah, he you know, was. So, um, so yeah, Brexit. I don't want to bring everybody down, but um, was that 1979. No. Mind you, 1979. 
there's a link to Brexit. Of course there is. It was the year that Margaret Thatcher became Prime Minister and famously accelerated our entry into the European Union, which had been started by Ted Heath. Yep. This has really got nothing to do with punk. <laughs> However, it, Margaret Thatcher becoming Prime it's Minister... It's had a lot yeah, to do yeah, with yeah. punk, right? Yeah. And it, it certainly had a lot to do with the arts and how um, pe more people got into the arts mm. because they rebelled against what was happening with a Thatcher government. And uh, in 1979, you know, stand-up comedians became, you know, so much more... Like your early sort of comedy store... Yeah, I don't, I'm not talking your Bernard Mannings or no, people like Alexis that or your Salem. Jim Davidson. We're talking Alexis Sale and Ben Elton. Your more sort of left-wing yeah. comedians came yeah. along and who became... Well, the beginning of the sort of, you know, Nigel Planer and Rick Mayer and Adrian Edmondson. Adrian Edmondson and all of that. And you know, Jennifer Saunders and sort of anarcho Eve. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And so stand-up comedy really saw a big influx mm -hmm. in um, in 1979 because they had something to talk about that they weren't happy with, which was... I used to love Ben Elton's anti-Thatcher rants. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Which, was, which was Thatcher's rants. And then a um, couple of other things, just TV things that have really impressed me over the last um, couple of weeks. I didn't do dry January, Stuart, but I did have a weekend in the house. Yeah. Right? And that, well, there was one weekend, I turned on Sky Arts, and on a Saturday night on Sky Arts, you sometimes stumble across some stuff. You don't have to subscribe to Sky, by the way. I'm not, there are other TV channels. Yeah, yeah. But Sky Arts is on Freeview, mm. right? Channel 11 on Freeview. I watched Free it the other night, no, the Clash documentary. That's right, well, it started off with the story of Trojan Records. Brilliant which, you know, basically went back to how it started in Jamaica and talked about Bluebeat and, you know, sort of mm. ska and, and, and reggae, and then how it imploded in 1975. You know, Trojan Records went bust. I remember that. I, 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 think I watched that documentary. They were shipping a lot of records. Yeah. People weren't paying for them. They were shipping far too many yeah. records, you know. And you and I have both worked in distribution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't sell those records, yeah. you get them back and they yeah. sit in a warehouse. And that's your asset. They were binning them, weren't they? They were binning them. They were having yeah. to break them all. Yeah. It's a really good and interesting story. And then, obviously, that Trojan went bust in 75. And then, in 79, comes along a guy called Jerry Dammers, oh, yeah. who used a lot of the influences mm -hmm. of those records that came, came out of, you know, you know, the Rude Boys, Message mm -hmm. to You, Rudy, yeah. all of that, you know. And it gives you a real explanation of what Rude Boys were. Mm -hmm. And straight on from that was, I'm trying, I think it was called Rebel Truce, the story of the clash. And it was great, great little, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, because it was an Alan Parker film. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched it, I watched it. We were, I think I texted you. We yeah, were, yeah, we and it, it had. After that was White Riot, the story of Rock Against Race. Exactly, what a great night. It was a great night, yeah. And then if you flicked over, yeah. the, the Rock Against Racism film is amazing. Called White Riot. Yeah, it's really good. If you haven't watched, seek that out if you want to. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of relevant to 1979, actually. It so is. A lot of that was happening in 1979, yeah. wasn't it? Rock against racism and. I don't just throw this together in my lunch hour, no, Stuart, you're not. You know, there's a lot of science involved <laughs> in, uh, in what you've done there, so well done. Um, so, are we. But, are, then, but then, you know, it was that Rock Against Racism film finished at midnight, and I was like, 
And some of my other mates had texted me about this documentary that had started on the BBC mm. called Fight the Power, oh, which yeah. is the history of hip-hop, narrated by Chuck D, directed by Chuck D, and produced by Chuck D of Public Enemy. And it goes through hip-hop from West Coast and East Coast with Ice-T to Public Enemy to, to NWA to Run DMC called Fight the Power, but it attaches all the hip-hop movements with what political uh, president was in at the time and how they promised them the world, Bush, you know, the... Um, well, it would have been Carter. It was, originally, it was originally Carter that went to the projects in Harlem and Brooklyn and said, yeah, we'll support all this. And then when he got in, never supported any of it. Yeah, that is interesting. I think there's a theme there. Yeah, yeah. but in, in, in there's four episodes that are an hour long, and in episode two, Malcolm McLaren appears because Malcolm McLaren is the person who initially brought hip hop yeah, over the to the UK Buffalo, with it was yeah. double Dutch and yeah. you know the Buffalo Gal stuff yeah. because you know he'd seen these street artists mm. uh, rapping mm. and basically being poets over beats. Mm. A lot of the stuff was old disco beats or instrumental electro records like Kraftwerk and stuff like that and they were rapping over the yeah, top of them. I remember the stuff like African Bambata and yeah, the Thompson yeah. crew and very early sort of electro sound clash type yeah. stuff. And then th there was the record. What, what, are you going to talk about African Bambata? No, the I'm going to talk about the message. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Great record. And the floor... Well, okay, fair enough. Okay, we're, okay. At, we're at 1979, Stuart, 76, 77, 78, we've done, right? Yeah. We are moving on to what all the influences that punk gave us. I guess, well, I see that. Gave, gave an opportunity for certain forms of music. I don't music. want to be accused of blowing a gasket. <laughs> <laughs> but, Is it pop? Who's <laughs> <laughs> the Brian Ferry of hip-hop? The Brian Ferry of hip hop is probably Kanye West, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> probably is, yeah. Got to know when to give up, mate. Yeah, yeah. Right? You got to know when to stop yeah. talking shit, right? Anyway, sorry, pardon sorry, that. Listeners. Yeah, but um, the reason I brought that into the, the sort of uh, the spine of what we're talking about is yeah. because you know the ability to get up there and do it yourself wouldn't. Or may not have happened. Well, punk contributed. Con punk definitely contributed. And, and also hip-hop labels and yeah. the DIY sort of street thing. I mean, it was all part of an amalgam, wasn't it? It was very much US-led. Yeah, but who was at the heart of bringing it back over to the UK? Malcolm McLaren. Malcolm McLaren, yeah. right? And uh, there's, a, there's a really a good piece in that uh, documentary when Jules Holland is interviewing Malcolm McLaren, right? On, I can't remember what programme it was. It w might have been the old grey whistle test or something. And Malcolm McCarran's trying to explain to Jules Holland about hip hop. And Jules Holland looks as though he's just talking to him about aliens. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now that probably sums up Jules, Jules Holland's taste in music if you watch the Hootenanny yeah. at Christmas. Absolutely atrocious piece of uh, music television. Mm. So there are pieces of music television out there that you can go and check out. And I've given you. Fight the Power, History of Hip Hop, Story of Trojan, Rebel Truce with the Clash, and A Rock Against Racism, White Riot. Well, I definitely recommend The Rock Against Racism film, because that, that's more than just about music, isn't it? Yeah. And finally, before we go on to our battle 
because I think it's going to be a battle. Here we go. I was... uh, I actually had completely forgot about this section of my life, Stuart. Yeah. But in 1979, I was doing a fanzine. And um, I was actually way ahead of my time. Yeah. Because when I was doing the fanzine with Pete, we did what was called a cassette zine. Right? Oh, yeah. So that was probably the first podcast because we were interviewing acts, recording it onto cassette, and then selling the cassettes. And uh, I'd like to give a special shout out to Neil McCrindle. Shout out to Neil McCrindle. Neil McCrindle, who found a copy of the cassette scene, which was called Permanent Slag. Because we just used to slag a lot of stuff off, right? But, yeah, don't like that, don't like that. That's rubbish, that's rubbish. Avril Lavigne. Oh, we love Avril Lavigne, though. Yeah, yeah, we do, right? But, and on that, it had music tracks and interviews. And I'm looking at the sleeve here, and, you know, this is from 1979, and it's got my handwriting on the sleeve. Parents so like <laughs> in this we have Generation X, another pretty face, and more, plus local Scottish punk bands, band co- I can't even remember this band, the Schoolboys, Anthrax. Yeah, yeah. This was before Anthrax, the metal band with a guy with a long beard. What was his name? The guy from Anthrax. Oh, the dyed beard? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. Sorry about the swearing. And um, Alan's band, The One Takes. So The One Takes, Alan Berry was in a band, mate of mine, Alan Berry, shout out to Alan Berry, was in a band called The One Takes. Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing The One Takes in uh, a couple of venues around the west of Scotland. And they asked me to manage them. I was 14, 15, right? Did you, was, was the Anthrax band that you had in, on, the, on the tape from back... What year was that? No, it's not the metal band. It was, it was a band. The punk band. Yeah, it was a punk band. I think Anthrax, the punk band, did a press record. No, not the same band, because I know, I know some of the people... The little beardy guy. That's Scott Ian. Scott Ian. That's, yeah. that's not them. Sorry, I was confused about the Anthrax. So how many bands were they called Anthrax? There must have been quite a few, because yeah. it was quite a good, quite a good name for yeah, a band, a and, and, band yeah. either whether you were metal or a wee bit yeah. alternative or yeah. punk. Surprised there wasn't a lot of Russian bands called Anthrax. They like a bit of Anthrax. But uh, I remember Alan asking me would I manage his band. And I was like, I had no experience in managing bands. And um, I thought, well, I'll I'll give this a go and see how I got on. And I managed to get them on with The Clash. Right, like you do. (laughs) On the London Calling Tour. Did you? Yep, so they were the main support on the... Who were you ringing? What? Who were you ringing? I can't, I can't remember how it Did came you about. This is Scotland calling, you know. And uh, I remember they invited me up, yeah. and it was the night before my um, English O level and maths O level because they did two nights at Glasgow Apollo. It was the Mikey Dread tour when Mikey oh, Dread was on the tour. Know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my parents were extremely disgusted that I was the clash two nights in a row when I should have been studying for my O levels. Much more. Important though, wasn't it? Really, we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing a podcast about your O level. We are doing a podcast about. But that. I just wanted to get because you know Alan as well. You we went to Stone Roses yeah. with Alan, yeah. so you know, and I just wanted to give him a shout out. And uh, 
you know, thanks for that information because I'd completely forgot a lot about this. And uh, and also on that tape, there's a couple of other bands, All That Jazz, who I don't really remember who they were, and a band called the Soviet Tractors. That was your band. <laughs> that was the band I was yeah. in, yes. I was in that band with a guy called Nick Kershaw. Make, right. of, make of that what you mean. Well, not as that Nick Kershaw. Of course not. No. And, and, uh, that and we were also the, one of the first bands in 1979 to be a two-piece with a drum machine. How annoying were we? Because we only had the one drum like beat. Like suicide. Like suicide. Right, you've mentioned the words. Kay. 1979 there. And given we're sort of, I don't know how far into the podcast we are, but we must be coming on for halfway. Should we talk a little bit about 1979? Because it's... Let's do it then. Okay, so, right. What's going on in 1979? Are we going to talk about some of the albums that we like? or? Yeah. So, my favourite album of 1979... Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's not London Calling. Wow, that's controversial. Controversial from Grant. Yep, I had, oh. to, I had to come in with that one. It is actually Setting Suns well, by the Jam. jam. Yeah. Because when the first two Jam albums came out, they were all right. Yeah. But this was the album that came of age, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think you're right. And this, the songwriting on that album was just amazing um you know tracks like girl on the phone thickest thieves private hell little boy soldier i'm up on the hill playing little boy soldiers yeah that's one. great track yeah. right i think weller really came to the fore when that album came out and it also tied in with the release of quadrophenia so the mod revival of 79 was beginning to start with bands like Secret Affair, Squire, the Merton Parkers, the Lambrettas. Yeah. All of that. All of that, which I know you'd have absolutely hated, Stuart. I wasn't into any of that. So I've given you, so we'll do this as a bit of like a, um, Ping pong. a DJ uh, a face off. All right, so I've given you the jam and the reason and Quadrophenia, Mod Revival 79. That's where I was heading okay. at that point. Now, I'm not saying that London Calling. I'm going to take the fifth. Plead the if fifth. Plead the fifth. Didn't they do a talk? <laughs> they did in America. Yeah. Right, but I'm going to take the Fifth Amendment here and be able to say that London Calling was the best album of the 80s. No, it was the 80s. As yeah. voted in Billboard, although it did come out in 1979. Okay. So I, that was my controversial bit of the jam. Setting Suns, amazing. Weller, unbelievable. Um, the other two, Rick Buckler and Bruce Fox. Please stop. I think Bruce Please Fox stop was going out. once he started that string of state agents. <laughs> Foxons with a little minis. Yeah, yeah. tight suits. With charged like the Golden yeah, Highlanders. Yeah. Right, yeah. Foxons, estate agents. Never, never use them. Yeah. There are other estate agents out there in London. Right. Um, yeah, Foxon and Rick Butler, please stop playing jam songs. Just leave it. Yeah, well, leave it up to Weller. Yeah. Right. Sure. Permanent slag. Permanent <laughs> slag. There you go. What a great name for a fancy. Yeah. Permanent right, slag. It it's your turn. Right, I've got two. Uh, oh. I'm going to mention the first one because we haven't talked about The Damned yet. Okay. So The Damned released Machine Gun Etiquette, which for me is their best album. Is that the one with the Captain Sensible with a big woolly jumper on? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's quite, it's it's quite, quite Deglo. Yeah, it's, it's quite Deglo. 
it's just a yeah honestly it's just a genius record and and, that, and i can't i can't uh, talk about 1979 without that record um well, but, it's, just a quick question smash it up there was two versions there was a short version there was no, a there's lot. two parts it's smash it up part one and smash it up part two smash all right part so one's an instrumental so it wasn't it, it wasn't them getting to do 12 inches no 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 right. they, they did two, two smash it up part one and part two Smash it up, part two, the the single that you'd know. We've been crying out for, you know, the, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's the seven. Far, far too long. No, no, we'll need to be publishing on that. We don't, we don't want to start singing again, sure. No, we're not doing that. Scare off the yeah. small group of that we already have. But I'm going in for the big money shot on 1979, which is slightly controversial, because this did actually first come out in 1978. But because it was so controversial, the first pressing of it was banned. Right. Which is Crass's Feeding the 5,000, which featured the track Reality Asylum. Now, did, they re- did they release that on their own label? Well, originally it came out on Small Wonder. That's what I thought, yeah. I think uh, we touched on that in the last one. Uh, so, Pete Stennett, who owned... Um, is that your watch pinging? That was my fitness, fitness, fitness tail. We need to stand up. But Pete Stennett from Small Wonder wanted to put it out. However, um, when Reality Asylum was heard on the, at the pressing plant... Um, they they wouldn't press it, so it was left for what reason? Because it's so blasphemous, you know. Because it was was Jesus died for his own sins, not mine, and lots of swearing in it. So that was then left as a blank track, which was called the Sound of Free Speech. Right. And then the band reissue feeding the five thousand. I think it's called the Second Second Sitting. Seventy nine. Some people say eighty, but it was. And who was in the band at that point? Was it Steve Ignant? Yeah, Steve Ignant. The whole. The whole, Penny Rimbo, all, all of those, all of the original lineup. Right, I only know, I only know some of these people. Steve Ignant, we so saw. Eve Libertine uh, and, uh, and Eve, Eve Libertine. Yeah, Eve Libertine, Joy Devira, uh, G G G Vouchers, yeah, yeah. G Suss in, the, in in those times, and she was doing the artwork, famous artwork, you know, groundbreaking. It um, was. I remember that. It was very. Um, it was quite proggy. The, because there was so much detail in it. Well, I don't mean proggy in a, I don't mean proggy in a Uriah Heat way. I don't mean that, no, but no, it was very much detailed. And, yeah, and, and the subject matter was quite dark. You know, we're going into the Cold War. Mm. Thatcher, you know, and, and a lot of it's about war, anti-war. You know, and feeding them, so the band famously played two gigs at the, at the Roxy, mm. and uh, they turned up quite drunk. And, uh, and they were banned from the Roxy. And they got banned from the Roxy. Famously, um, there's somebody uh, trundling around outside our little room here, so apologies for any background noise. Anyway. It was me getting up from a walk, my stand. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You're doing your exercise <laughs> insurance premiums down. So, so for me, just without get, drifting into too much crass information, which we will be doing, yeah. um, feeding the 5,000 for me is my choice. But I couldn't let an edition of this podcast go by without mentioning the damned. Um, okay. Yeah, interesting. There's a lot of other great records, of course, in 1979. UK Subs, another kind of blues. Yep. Yeah. Well, see, I can mention the UK, the UK Subs actually played my hometown on Bank Holiday Monday, the May Bank Holiday Monday in um, in Air Pavilion. Mm. Uh, and obviously, going back to what I mentioned earlier about the launch of Quadrophenia. Yeah. The punks and the mods fought on the beaches in air. Did they fight them on the beaches? Yeah, they fought them on the beaches because there was a, you know, I think the exploited actually had a track called Fuck a Mod. Yeah. 
did. Which was the B side of. Um, oh. Oh. It definitely wasn't an A side. Um, I think it might have been exploited, but. It wasn't but on Dogs of, Dogs of War. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure our, uh, our exploited. Um, oh, that's going to bug me, that is. Yeah. So there was a start of a war between, you know. What. Since I've known you and I've got to know about Crass and Steve Ignorant and all that, right, yeah. I can see that that is quite an intelligent area of anarcho-punk. Well... If you understand what I mean. Yeah. When you, when you look at it now. But there was a lot of bands... I mean, The Exploited did not need to do a song called Fuck a Mod. No, it was all very childish. It was, it was all very childish and all very splitting genres and splitting hairs about, you know. Although, the mods were equally as distasteful to the um, punks. Yeah. I think it was... I'm sure somebody will get... I think it was Squire had a track called Walking Down the King's Road. Yeah. And the lyric was Walking Down the King's Road with some friends of mine. And it was a bit of a dig about punks and Secret Affair in Time for Action. There is a lyric in Time for Action by Secret Affair called We Hate the Punk Elite. Well, I mean... Because yeah. it, it, it was, division was coming in music. Yeah, and then also, it's interesting about The Exploited because they did a live album at that time and I think you hear what he say and you use like, ask for a big bunch of wankers. Is that the, the best Scottish accent yeah, you could do? Sure. I, did it on purpose, <laughs> I think the live album was recorded at the bungalow in Paisley. Right. And his, what, his picture of him with his mobile. Yeah. He says about the crass for a big bunch of wankers is called I Believe in Anarchy and Chaos. And it was cartoon and ridiculous. Yeah. And crass were trying to deal with serious issues at the time of anti-war and you know a load of other political issues. You know, the whole sort of counterculture, anti-capitalism stuff. You know, which, and there's more to it than that. And crack and the exploited, of course, you know, were on the subsidiary of EMI. There was sort of cartoon punks with mohawks and yeah, and all the, and all the you know. Mail order punk clothes from back then we talked about before. <laughs> it was. What was the place called? Acme. No, it wasn't Acme Attractions, but you know, yeah. Acme Clothing in yeah. Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and all of that was happening. And then, of course, you get this sort of bunch of bands forming out of the Crass, the, the Crass Commune at Dial House in Essex, including people like Poison Girls, which is a 1979 record they released, Hex on Crass. You know, and they and they turn out this huge output of. Political commentary, social commentary, art—you know—and and 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 influence squatting and bands like Chumbawamba come along. This mm-hmm. is a whole layer, whereas yeah. the sort of exploited, silly, rather—you've also got. Well, it's interesting actually on the exploited as to why you know, Big John was quick to leave. Big John went on to become a guitar tech for Nirvana. He did. He was Kurt Cobain's guitar tech. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's now back in Goodbye Mr. McKenzie. Yeah. Which is, um, unfortunately, I, I, see, I saw some live video of, of their last tour. And yeah, I think he's a bit like Brian James. He's finding it hard, a bit hard to stand. He, 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 sit, he sits and plays guitar. But, it, you know, he, he formed Goodbye Mr. McKenzie with a guy called Martin Metcalf. And also in Goodbye Mr. McKenzie was Shirley Manson who went on to be in garbage. Yeah. So there's a whole connection yeah. there on that, you know. And he, he obviously looked at the exploited and thought, this is uh, this has got a limited shelf life, shall we say. Well, they did go on, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, we saw the exploited at Rebellion. It was a bit of a laugh, wasn't it? It was. You know, but uh, and I, and I, I 
It's amazing who you can still have, mate. Is it army life, the seven inch? Army life. Yeah. It just yeah. came to me there we were talking about. It was army life. It's a blank white sleeve yeah. in the B-side. Well, they did a few, didn't they? Because there's a couple of singles of that artwork. And the Dogs of War was a good seven with that graveyard sort yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. With the negative kind of black and white picture. Anyway. Um, so, so yeah. So, Crass... You know, and you're, you're right. There was a... The, the things are starting to polarise and you've also got a new wave coming along. But well, um, and Crass famously released a record... A track called "Rival Tribal Rival Tribal Rebels," which is all about how people fighting on the street, like you described with the mods and stuff, is all part of the system. Mm. You know, you're divided and you're fighting each other rather than the people you should be fighting. Which it's is the government and the government and the and the, and the narrative and and the, and the system. And the, that's right, and it's a classic. They book the system, you know, and all that. But yeah. really, there is a system, and 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 these days, I've, I've referred to it as a narrative, which is very in controlling and you know co- corporations and, and big money and corruption are, are, are quite clear to see now and they were right what they were saying and uh, I, I, I go back and listen to those records and read a lot of stuff about crass as you know and I they were really ahead of their time and a lot of the things that they were talking about have come to pass and it's quite depressing anyway anyway let's let's move on from depressing one record I am going to mention though Hang on, just DJ Bartles, back to, oh, so back to me. That, yeah, go on then, just smash in nicely. You had, you had yeah. cracks, I had the jam. You got me going on cracks. So, um, probably one of the most important things, and you can probably now tell where this is going, um, that happened in 1979, was the launch of Two Tone Records. Well, yeah, well, that's... And Jerry Dammels, uh, who launched Two Tone, signed the specials, signed Madness, the selector, you know, and look. The beat on there? I'm trying to remember if there was one early beat record, but the beat were on London. They were London beat in America, weren't they? Yeah, they were. I don't think the beat were on Two Tone. I think they were on another label, which was Maroon and Black, if I remember rightly. And Mirror in the bathroom was the hit, wasn't it? Yeah. With, with Rankin, uh, Rankin Roger. Uh, yeah, and they did. Um yeah, Mirror in the Bathroom. There's another one. Oh, God. Margaret, yeah. which was about, obviously, yeah. Margaret Thatcher yeah. uh, was the other one, yes. Yeah. So, so Two-Tone played a big part in the influence of, you know, that whole, um, the jam, the mod thing. The Two-Tone thing fitted with the mod thing. You could be a bit of a, you could wear a trilby, you could wear a parka. You know, it all fitted in. Those are my punk friends. And I was, I was very sort of punk at that time when I was, and all those, a lot of the bands we've talked about, and I had a you know a very punk look, but I loved all the two tone stuff. I used to go to those. Yeah, yeah. And there was no, I never got any trouble from people into those. But we were very, it was very much a union of meeting of minds. Loads of my friends were into the specials and stuff. I didn't have a problem with that. No, I think you've misread me there. No, I, 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 I don't mean there's a, there was a problem with people yeah. who like to jam and people who like to uh, like crass or poison girls. There was a problem, certainly in Scotland, yeah. you know, of, and I love the UK subs, I love Charlie Harper, but yeah. the, the subs and um, the Exploited and, you know, bands like that, it was almost like that was your Ned element of punk, yeah. whereas the intelli- that sounds extremely middle class for me and I don't mean it to be, but... I know what you're saying, you know, I know what you're saying, they were a little bit of cartoony, but oh, I like the subs though. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. great band, those... those Bunch of those early albums. I mean, I even like them now. We saw them; they were brilliant. Right? Yeah, I mean, tracks like Warhead and CID, Tomorrow's Girls, absolutely yeah. amazing tracks, right? And uh, 
you know, so the two tone thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw in. I'm not going to throw in an album. I'm just going to go two tone. Okay. Seventy nine. Yeah, two enough. tone meant that a hell of a lot to me and shaped a lot of, uh, you know, where I went musically in the next ten years because it was two tone was also the first thing that you saw black and white people in yeah. bands. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Right, think about that. You, you know, a lot of the bands before, you had your Motown bands in the, mm. the 60s. It's all female, yeah. black group. Yeah. Right, you had the Beatles, mm. female, uh, sorry, male, white group. Right, but two-tone was one of those um, forms mm. of music that connected the two. It was definitely a, it definitely brought a lot of things together. I mean, X-Ray Stacks obviously springs to mind for the punk thing. But yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and that is a yeah, but you can't you have extra specs in seventy eight. Okay, so I've given you, I've given you two tone. Okay, that's that's a good comeback. Right. Okay, so what, 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 so in this battle of the bands now, or this DJ face off, what am I doing? Am I? You've am got I to, countering? You, you've got to come back with something that meant as much to you as. Um, well, it's a it's a tricky one because obviously we just talked about the subs. Another kind of blues came out, and I mm-hmm. loved that record. Is that your speaker coming on there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I loved that record. And then you've got Buzzcocks different kind of tension. I'm just reading off a few, and I'm gonna I'm well, from memory. Gang of Four. Yeah, we touched we've touched on them. Gang of Four Entertainment album. That was the red album, the red yeah. sleeve. That that well, yeah, that but was. I, but I am gonna pick one from 1979 to follow up on, and that's Stiff Little Fingers and Flammable Material. Because I absolutely love them, and I think you remember in a in a, a couple of other episodes, and I've mentioned I went to London to watch them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in '78 or '79, and I went down with my mates who were older than me, and they were just brilliant. And um, so they were a really big influence on me. I've kind of followed Stiff Little Fingers pretty much since then. Yeah. I went to see them last year with my sister in Bristol. They were brilliant. Um, you know, great band, great songs. Well, I think you know. Um we didn't get we didn't get to talk as much as we'd like to about seventy nine tonight. Well, I don't think we're going to have to do two parts. We are because there's a, there's a whole host of stuff. Too much up, going on. Yeah, there's a whole host of stuff that breaks it up here, yeah. and it would be good to end on something you know in this episode that we both agree on. Stiff little fingers is definitely yeah. inflammable material. Was an album that you know even from those singles that they released, yeah. alternative Ulster. On rough trade as well. It was on rough trade. Yeah. I saw them with. Uh, Good friend of mine at Troon Town Hall, and we interviewed Jake Burns yeah. for the fanzine. Yeah. So you know that has a bit of resonance. Did I, ever, did I tell you the story of when I went down to that gig? They played at Hammers, it was Hammersmith Odeon then. Yeah. And I was living in Northampton, and I went down with my mates Tim Wardley and Dave Grover, who were in the, older than me. And my mum let us go because I was with these older lads. Was, was it, it was it with another pretty face? Was, was that, that in the straps? Yeah, and, and, and oh, no, it wasn't. It was. I think it was a band called the Salford Jets. No, it was the Strats. And another pretty face in Scotland. Might oh, right, be, okay, it might yeah. have been. In and then um, they played it, and then we, my mum and dad, were coming to pick us up. We right. moved to Northampton. It was only sixty miles away, and uh, they, they had something happened to the car. And they were late, so they rang the venue. No mobile phone. We were waiting outside. <laughs> three young lads waiting outside the gig. So they rang the venue. We had badges on your blazer. Oh, totally, totally badged up, badged yeah. And then we, this, the door opened at the venue and this head poked out. And they went, are you, Stuart? And I said, yeah. And they went, oh, your parents are late. Typical. It's so embarrassing. Anyway. We, what venue is it at? Uh, All right. So we, they said, can you come and wait inside? 
because they didn't want us waiting outside because we were like young. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, they let us wait inside. And then either the tour manager or the merch manager or some someone from the entourage came up and talked to us. They've had Steph's little fingers have had the same manager for long time, forty years. Well, they, he's his, name, his, his name's Gordon, right? If I remember rightly, and he was the one alongside a friend of mine that managed to get yeah. us the interview with them. Yeah. I mean, they were yeah. lovely, and they, yeah. they so they took our names and addresses, right? And then about two weeks later, we got all this, all these badges and yeah. stuff through from the fan club, which was based in. Oxfordshire, right? And they, we were members. We became members of the. They were amazing. I mean, what a thing to do, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, would that happen now? Um, no, no, but you'd be on the phone to your mum on your own phone, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd be texting. You were so separate, weren't you? No, you'd, you'd be getting an Uber home in your yeah. mum and dad's account. You would, yeah, <laughs> right. And then, your, and then your mum and dad would be sitting at home, and you go. I never, I never came from yeah. Hammersmith Odeons. Exactly. And then, well, you'd be up to all sorts, wouldn't you? And then they, they, they'd see the bill. So um, so keep on checking the social media, guys. Yeah. Good way to end on Stiff Little Fingers. Keep on checking Des Not Punk on Instagram for the quiz. And emailing us. Thanks and, again. And, and emailing us. The, the feedback's been amazing. What's that email address? It's Des Not Punk Des at gmail.com. Punk at gmail. That's it. Right. Yeah. And a uh, couple of things I'm just going to leave you with. Just so that you get an idea where this might be going in 79 from me. Dan Tracy and the TV personalities. Yeah. And Gary Newman and Tubeway Army. Oh, interesting you've thrown that in there. I'm going to go with the first artist to release a single on Crass Records who wasn't in Crass was Honey Bane. For the seven-inch single right. "Girl on the Run," just like an EP. Crass were the sort of band behind her, right? And uh, she'd been in the Fatal Microbes before then. Did I see them? I think they might have supported UB40 in an early tour. Right. Honey Bean. Well, I mean, yeah. Was she only about fifteen or she something? She was really young, and she did this single, this EP. There's um, about, and this, I think "Girl on the Run," "Porno Grows," and "Your Boring Conversation." God, that's the tracks from memory there, and uh, I loved it, and. Um, really sort of she, it was, she had this great punk look and did that single and that kind of was the first time it opened up the doorway and Crass started then to release lots of singles by other bands on Crass Records right, it became okay. like a kind of gateway label for other bands like The Mob and you know Flux did a yeah, Flux yeah. And, and, and Conflict and all these bands all came through that that route and uh, so I remember that and actually they reissued it one of the independent are reissuing a lot of that stuff and I went back and listened to it and uh it's such a great record, really good record. So my end... It's Zones, was there a band? There was Zones, yeah, Chant and Country, Karma, and uh, they did a single. But I mean, there was a, we'll, go, we'll get into all of this. Right, yeah, that's so. and, and guests are on the way? The guests are on the way. Apologies, we did say we were going to have some guests on on this episode, but sadly, there was a diary clash yeah. um, when we were going to do tonight, and, uh, and we couldn't get... And it's on. January, and a lot of people are doing dry... Yeah. It's, just, it's still it's January. The, it's, the, it's the end of January, and people are... <laughs> Eat off with dry, dry January by this point, but yeah. the guests are coming. Guests are coming. Uh, we've got a couple of good ones lined up, so stick with us. We will get there. Anyway, you've got to listen to us. So uh, yeah, and great ending on a story of SLF. But um, I'd like to to leave you with a tribute to uh, Tom Perlin.
Rest in peace, Tom. And uh, don't forget to check out the accompanying pod, uh, the accompanying playlist that yeah. goes alongside the podcast. You, get that on you can get that on Spotify. Just search for Dead Not Dead's Not Punk playlist, yeah. and you'll get the playlist that accompanies the program. Thanks again. See, See you, you next time. See you next time. Cheers.